You have come to the right place. Hope you love America. Hope you're tired of the same thing all day, every day. Bringing you a different point of view. Bringing you the right point of view. From an everyday American. Recorded all over. No agenda, just America. Hello, welcome to a new episode of Eric's America. I am still surviving, stuck in the uh, always strange state of Colorado. I guess it's not that bad, other than a few uh, strange, a uh, few centers for crazy leftism. I guess the rest of it's pretty conservative. I see a shit ton of uh, a shit ton of. Trump signs everywhere. Sorry, a little distracted here looking up some content for today. Today's kind of interesting. So, I always try to find things that uh, pertain to current events or are very similar to current events uh, that have happened before. And it just seems very odd that in many of these cases... They're not really talked about a whole lot. The general premise of what I'm going to talk about today, people know as the end of Reconstruction. And a lot of people would have no idea what you're talking about. If you said, well, you know, do you know what ha happened that ended Reconstruction? And they're like, Reconstruction of what? When? Where? How? I mean, you know. So it isn't really well covered. In fact, I don't remember being taught uh, a lot of this honestly, uh, while in school. I mean, I remember hearing about how Reconstruction ended, and then there wasn't a whole lot after that. I mean, it just, I guess it wasn't super important. Um, but anyway, it bears very huge relevance to today. Uh, reason being that you had, of course, just ended the uh, Civil War and Reconstruction started when for those who don't know it's uh, it was the uh, Union occupation of the Confederate South to force the end of discrimination and so they had discriminatory laws and all this and during this period of course the Republicans held power complete power basically because they won the war and obviously this was something i didn't learn until much later in life because it's never laid out that honestly in history classes or lectures usually that it literally was pretty much the same sort of civil war everybody's talking about now i mean democrats versus republicans literally ripped the country into a civil war and when it ended, the Democrats, uh, the Democratic South was kept out of Congress and everything else for the time being. And there were quite a few prominent uh, free slaves that became governors and congressmen and senators. And, of course, they were all under the Republican banner. And, of course, since Abraham Lincoln, the first Republican president, uh, had led the effort and defeated the Democratic Confederacy. Um, of course, most of the free slaves were going to be 
Republicans. So you had groups spring up. Uh, the biggest well-known one uh, was the KKK, of course, that were, you know, out to, they were just a terrorist arm of the Democratic Party that wanted to, uh, you know, suppress black people from voting. And they always mention that. They don't mention the fact that they were suppressing black people from voting Republican because that would really, really damage their narrative on that one. Um, and there were other, there were other, uh, quite a few uh, groups, and some of them were not as clandestine as the uh, KKK. There were like literal, uh, they would call them white leagues or whatever. And, and these are literally, you know, um, you know, the, the former slave owners and, and people that were, you know, definitely, uh, attached to the, uh, democratic party in one way or another, usually, uh, which was the entire South, by the way. I mean, if people don't know this, uh, you can go back and check it. I mean, any of these things are easily checkable. You can read about it. You can find videos about it. It's very easy to find. And anyway, they run a Democrat from, I want to say New Jersey. No, he was from New York. Yes, he was. He was from New York, a Democrat from New York, who uh, part of the biggest part of his platform was, you know, the complaint about ending Reconstruction and freeing the South and had a lot of things on the platform. And even though the Democratic states in the South, the still had representation per se, <laughs> at least on one side. Um, of course, the voters still got to vote, those who were allowed to vote. Now, during the period of Reconstruction, uh, all the freed slaves were given. A lot of the civil rights and everything else that were later brought back into existence, many people don't know during the time of Reconstruction is when the Republicans actually made all these things law. Only after this event is when they reversed it, basically, because they lost power. And it took almost 100 years later to fix it. So it's it's really crazy. So anyway, you have the election. And the election is very contentious. And if that you know sounds familiar, uh, of course, the uh, Democratic side uh, called uh, Hayes uh, said that he was uh, taking bribes and colluding and... Uh, he had STDs and I mean, it was just all kinds of stuff and it was considered the most contentious election in American history. Um, there's been a few, so I, mean, I can't go with the most contentious, although the outcome was very, very rough. Uh, so basically, uh, election night comes, uh, and three of the states were too close to call. And you'll notice this is kind of what people are talking about now. Well, the election's going to be so close. We may have mail-in voting. And, and this is why I bring this up because it's really, really crazy. So apparently there's voter fraud called on both sides. And uh, the Democrat wins the popular vote, by, but, but not by a hell of a lot. I want to say um, in today's standards, it would have been a razor thin margin that he won the popular vote, but he did not have all the electoral votes because three states uh, were too close to call. And so there's this big back and forth about what, what electors are going to get sent. And they're going through recounts and there's people saying there's 
uh, <clears throat> fraud on both sides, voter fraud on both sides. And that sounds scaredly enough like what this whole plan is now. And that's why I started looking into this. I'm like, wait a second. You know, I remember reading something about this, watching something about this. Um, but I didn't learn everything about. And so then it's actually put to a panel, an election panel was put together of uh, senators and Supreme Court justices and uh, some Congress, uh, some House of Representatives, and they have an equal amount of each side. And there's one independent, and basically he's going to become the all-important decider, deciding vote to swing it one way or another for the uh, Republicans or Democrats. So, of course, there's a lot of lobbying. Uh, we'll use air quotes for lobbying going on on both sides. And essentially what happens is two days before they're going to announce this, there's a backdoor meeting, a backroom meeting, and where there is a compromise made. And so basically the Democrats say, hey, listen, we will let you be president. And because it looked like he was going to be, and, and really, you know, there were threats of, uh, secession again and maybe bringing the civil war back and and all this and so they used pressure on the street pressure through threats to basically allow them to then end reconstruction pull all the union troops out of the south uh, and uh, let them self-govern again which opened the door for all of the then legalized Jim Crow laws. And, you know, there's a whole history about why they're called Jim Crow laws. No, there was not a guy named Jim Crow. So uh, <laughs> for anybody who thinks that, there wasn't. Uh, this isn't like the uh, landmark legal cases that they attach a man's name on. You know, like the Dred Scott decision, that sort of thing, or Roe v. Wade or whatever. And there's many. But basically, it then allowed the Democratic South to then institute their racist policies and make them law and institute them and start discriminating. And basically, they leveraged and threatened and then used their uh, their paramilitary, I guess you could say, with KKK and these other organizations to intimidate and scare and, and basically keep their power. And... What's frightening about that is you think about it and it's like, man, you know, that's horrible. And basically they were able to do it by making the election so close and so contentious and everybody knowing that if it went any further then and this is where it came to a scary point. They had to get more and more threatening because it was coming to a point where it was going to be kicked into the like house delegations and stuff to vote on it. And at that time, of course, the Republicans had the majority of the power of all the forms of government at that point. And so it would have obviously, you know, went against them. So they were on a time crunch, honestly. So, you know, of course, they're threatening secession. And, and basically it was like, hey, you know, we made it close. Now this is our demands or we're just going to keep going and going and causing trouble. Exactly as they are planning to do now. So when people say, oh, this stuff's unprecedented, this has never happened, this is crazy, this is uncharted territory. No, it has happened before. And if you realize what's going on, you can ultimately stand up against it and say, hey, listen, no, <laughs> you know, this is not where we're going. 
So I have mentioned a few times the fact that the Biden campaign and the DNC have wargamed this election and all the different outcomes. And what is crazy about it is, of course, they, you know, it's supposed to be, uh, what was the commission called? Um, power transfer. It was something, it was something to do with the uh, peaceful transference of power or whatever is basically how they cloaked it. And yes, they got a couple of rhinos uh, like Bill Crystal and a few of them, a few rhinos um, to come over and play the Republican part. Uh, which I'm sorry, they're just not. I, I mean, sorry if that hurts their feelings, but uh, just just be honest. I mean, you know, you're on the Democratic side of things. You are nowhere near a true Republican or a true conservative. So apologize if the truth hurts. It just does. But anyway, they go through all these scenarios. And the one that really brought this up was the fact that they said that even if Trump wins in a landslide, what can we do? What can we get? And it's like, well, what you do is you concede and say, hey, you know, we got to look, you know, the American people have spoken and uh, we have to get behind the president and blah, 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 the way people have done over and over and over for many, many decades. But that's not what it says. It says literally keep our people going on the streets. If there's any doubt that these people on the street, whether it be Antifa or BLM or any of that, are solely just there to try to push for a Biden victory, then you're not paying attention very well. That is exactly what they're there to do. That's exactly what it's all about. Just like the KKK and the White Leagues and all that were for the were helping the Democratic Party. In the late 1800s, in the 1870s, and continued on and on, especially under Woodrow Wilson, really brought it back. Whew. Anyway, and their scenario is to get what they want, including threats of states seceding from the Union, even calling it Cascadia, Washington, Oregon, California. California to be split up into five separate states to more accurately uh, uh, represent the state. In other words, you know, get 15 or 20 more senators, uh, make Washington, D.C. a state, which is unconstitutional uh, and for a very good reason. They want it and they want Puerto Rico so they can get about 20 extra senators that they assume are all going to be on their side. Uh, pack the uh, Supreme Court, you know, just little things. I mean, end the Electoral College because they assume that not only now, but they're always going to get the popular vote. And it is weird. To me, I find it strange that the Democratic Party has been so popular for so long. And then I realized that they always court the right people. They've always courted the media. They've always courted Hollywood. They've always courted musicians. And they always just lie. I mean, there is nothing that they will not say or not support to have power. And so if you're everything to everybody... It usually helps keep you very popular because you agree with everyone. 
The only problem is your actual stances on things are quite horrible and have been for, oh, 150, 200 years, however long the, I'm not sure right off the top of my head, the exact number of years that the, uh, the actual Democratic Party's been around ever since Andrew Jackson, um, who's a truly terrible human being. That is for sure. He is a truly terrible human. But uh, yeah, so it, it's very odd. Um, it was it was really uh, it was really strange to read this and and then read this uh, think tank, this war game that was played out and and to watch it be so similar and say, wow. You know, that's really, that is really, really weird. Um, and to threaten things like, you know, to literally say, hey, you know, what's the best idea? Oh, we'll just threaten to start another civil war, you know, like we did 150 years ago. I, who the hell are these people? I mean, you would think they would learn. But there's so many things that people don't know, and and this isn't really taught, and especially not taught in the actual partisan facts, I should say, not in a a partisan way, one way or another. I mean, you can basically just tell the actual story and say, hey, listen, this is what happened. This is who's involved and who's on which side, and it would really enlighten a lot of people because most people have no clue. (sighs) And these are the things that draw me nuts when people are throwing slurs constantly you know that all the republicans they're racist they're homophobes they're bigots and to me it's always made my head hurt i'm like what are you talking about are you talking about the party of you know slavery and jim crow and segregation and i mean and we're not talking about ancient history either i mean joe biden one of his best friends was a kkk leader senator from west virginia know all too well and i mean he you know he was a bigot when he started he was a bigot when he died uh crazy 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 you know robert bird never changed his stripes uh not at all so that's that's an interesting one uh, and i don't know how people keep going along with it but it is quite terrifying to watch the um full uh the full story play out and just some of the issues that made uh made the uh, democratic platform to fight back against uh, mainly were the 14th and 15th amendments to basically what now is known as the civil rights act of 1964 uh was being implemented and the supreme court upheld uh, the amendments and in 1873 and that really started to uh, really started to cause serious problems and of course as of now um, the Democrats can't stand to not be in complete and total power and now you enter in this area you enter in new elements you enter in socialism you enter in and I won't say it's uh, entering different uh, different ideologies because the ideologies that they're bringing out now may be worded differently, but they're still the same thing. I mean, you read critical race theory, 
and some of these crazy ideas that come out. I mean, it's just white supremacy. It's just written more flowery. It really is. You know, oh, well, you can't blame, you know, uh, a black guy because he doesn't show up to work on time because it's white supremacy to show up to work on time. And you're sitting there scratching your head like, who the hell wrote this? Richard Spencer? The hell writes this stuff? And what's crazy is then you look and it's like all these, uh, you know, black supposedly intellectual professors and you know whatever from all these very prestigious schools writing this stuff and it's like I mean (laughs) David Duke write that for you I mean what the hell are you talking about and then on top of that it, it literally mixes in a little bit of bigotry mix in a little bit of um uh, a little bit of Nazi ideology uh, towards uh, conservatives. And you will fully understand you mix that in a bowl, you know, get a good blender, blend it up, and you get basically the BLM movement. And it's, you know, it's it's true, truly fascist, bigoted insanity. But obviously that's nothing new. Um, the biggest problem that, uh, the South, the Southern Democrats had, especially coming into the election of 1876 was the fact that union troops were there enforcing the 14th and 15th amendments, forcing them to integrate. We don't hear a lot about that anymore. I mean, it's kind of, uh, been kicked to the wayside of history because it doesn't fit with the modern progressive left narrative because it's really hard to blame everything on the conservatives and the Republicans. If you actually read history and find out that, Oh yeah, it was actually our side. So that, that was what really surprised me. It's getting into uh, all this, what happened and how they, uh, you know, they just really went at it and it was considered the most contentious uh, election in American history. I don't think this one's going to be contentious in the fact that the vote is so close. Now, I don't want to give anybody false security because everyone needs to get out and vote. You know, bring five friends and all go vote because we need to. We absolutely have to win. The alternative is just way too disturbing on so many levels. Um, But I truly believe that Trump will win and win by quite a bit. And it's just really odd I noticed that a lot of people, and there are a lot of theories, and I have a few theories of my own, why Trump is so unpopular, other than the fact that he is a Republican. But, you know, they didn't, I mean, they were crazy and and saying crazy stuff, 2000, 2004 with W, uh, even back to 90, 91, 88, I should say, 88 with uh, Bush Sr. Um, you know, there's always a little bit of craziness and a little bit of hyperbole, but nothing ever approached this. And I don't think we've seen anything like this since uh, a Lincoln or or like Hayes, you know, when you got the uh, 1876, which he did not last long in office, but that's beside the point. Um there wasn't really this concerted effort and we really haven't seen it 
especially not in our lifetimes. And you really have to dig back to uh, the Civil War era before you see things get to this level of insanity. And that's what scares everybody, including myself. It does scare the hell out of me because, I mean, who wants Civil War? Nobody actually wants Civil War. That's insane. And, of course, it hurts us in every way possible. Not even having, as some have phrased, a cold Civil War causes problems especially from around the world because people start looking here going man you know i'm not sure we want to you know take on a lot of business from there right now i mean they're so divided they're they're fighting they're arguing i mean could they start shooting we don't know you know and it really disrupts our economy and and that's when it really truly starts to devolve and it can become a hot civil war do I think it's actually going to happen? I don't. At least I hope not. And I didn't really think it would be possible in a modern era. But I was wrong. They were on their way to cement their power, their corruption. Personally, I believe the corruption is what is being uncovered and worked on. And I think that is why, especially... Obama and those affiliates have went absolutely insane and stepped over very a very large amount of not only ethical but legal bounds to try to get rid of Trump. I don't buy that they just thought Hillary was going to win and just didn't see how she could lose. Everybody could see how she could lose. She's a very unlikable person whether you agree with her politics or not. She's just a really unlikable person. She's very condescending. She's very brash and and not in a a funny, scrappy way. Just uh, you know, cuz Trump has that that uh rough side that people, you know, don't like or whatever. But many people that support him are like, you know, he's just he's a New Yorker. Go figure. You know, Hillary's more uh gives you more of that just uncomfortable like man this is just I mean just something about her you really don't like and I think it's because as much as you can try to hide it unless you are a tr true and complete sociopath which she may well be I'm not ruling that out in any way shape or form but they're very good at hiding it she is not she is very she's very bad at saying the uh the inside thoughts out loud and that's what has always been her downfall. And that's, uh, she's just an unlikable person. I mean, you don't have people, um, and, you know, she was really unpopular with a lot of women. Women didn't like her. I mean, you know, she bashed all these women who came out and said her husband uh, assaulted them and raped them. And she's just trashing them instead of going, hey, you know what, it's time for me to go. Um, so, I mean, she really really is just a, a not a likable person and it was going to be a long shot for her to get elected anyway and uh, they should have known this I think they just really thought that they had everything sewn up in every way they had everything behind them and there was no way and yes there was a very large iceberg for their Titanic and was Donald J. Trump but having said that I don't believe that's the basis for going completely as far as they did. Even though came out last week, if you didn't see it, uh, that Hillary knew and approved 
the uh, Russian disinformation, which we all knew. We all knew it anyway. Um, and who knows? I mean, who knows what all they're going to find? Uh, I see more and more of it coming out. Uh, it's really discouraging and disgusting for regular people to set and watch. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of the uh, Comey in, uh, questioning in front of the uh, Senate Congressional Committee. I mean, if you missed it, go watch some of it. Uh, it's disgusting, honestly, to watch because everybody who grew I mean, you grew up thinking the FBI. I mean, hell, it used to be like they would have sh I mean, all these shows about the FBI and they're the, you know, I mean, they're basically, you know, white knights on a horse that's going to fight for justice, truth and all this. And you watch this guy set and lie his ass off. And you think, man, how did we get here? How in the hell did we get to this point where you have the heads of the FBI and CIA and everything else in this stupid conspiracy to try to overthrow a duly elected president? And they're making movies about it. HBO was making a movie about it. I saw it. I, I guess it's already out. I, I just saw the trailer. I don't want to watch it. And Jeff Daniels, I don't know, man. If that's the role you want to play, that's fine. Uh, just don't pretend it's noble. Uh, because being a uh, corrupt bureaucrat with an axe to grind, doing illegal shit just to try to overturn what the American people voted on, no, none of that sounds like a noble effort. And boy, do they make it sure seem that way in the movie. But hey, it's a movie. Who cares? It's just it's just ridiculous. And watching him up there just lie his ass off. Because he's only got two choices. He's either a moron, which I don't believe he's a moron, or he's corrupt. And it's obviously the latter. Because he just sat there and said, well, I don't remember anything. I mean, you're saying that these people were, were Russian disinformation uh, you know, agents? What? I mean, nobody told me. I'm just the head of the FBI, you know, running an investigation into the president about all these things. It's just ridiculous. So you have two choices. He's either a moron or he's just corrupt. And it's obviously that he's corrupt because you don't get to the uh, head of the FBI by being a complete and total moron. So other things going on this week. Uh, Trump gets Rona. That one's interesting. Um, and, of course, the uh, media went nuts with uh you know basically it was hard for cnn and msnbc to really uh hold in their glee and uh of course they start talking about well what happens if he dies you know he's gonna die he's got coronavirus i have another pet peeve real quick i have to interject if i hear this thing called a disease one more time <laughs> oh i'm gonna shove a fork through my eye it's a virus that goes away. You know what's a disease? Heart disease. There you go. Lung disease. Things like uh, cancer and pulmonary artery disease and, you know, cancers. And uh, there are a lot of diseases out there. Corona isn't one. Please, for the love of God, will you stop calling it a disease? You know, I saw one news outlet, and I don't even remember what it was off the top of my head. Oh, the president's uh, been 
has tested positive for the coronavirus disease. What? It's a coronavirus. Oh. And yes, I've had it myself. So before I get any of that uh, flack from anyone, I've had it myself. And yes, I can say for anyone who is even in the realm of being healthy and under 80 years old, it pretty much is a hoax. Just to let everybody know, even though, and I know that uh, people push back on that, but uh, even the CDC, who's not exactly a conservative right-wing conspiracy, uh, yeah, they agree. Their numbers surely show that. So, um, but I think this is going to backfire, and this is how, you know, because the left has been going nuts for several days now, just happy and and cheerful and oh boy now it's really going to kick in now he knows how serious it is oh it's him he's he's a super spreader all this crazy stuff and now they're you know foaming at the mouth he can't debate he can't i mean he can't campaign and oh he's got to be locked up and he's probably going to die and i think they forgot who they were talking about i think that's their biggest problem they forgot who they were talking about because, of course, he's going to go and do whatever to get rid of it as soon as possible. I don't know why anybody thought he would just, you know, lock himself in the White House and suffer through for weeks of being sick because he is older. He's 74. And so, of course, he goes and takes experimental treatments, which has got to make these people lose their mind. Because how do you how do you go against that? How are you going to come out and say, well, none of this stuff works? When the president goes, hey, I took it. I'm here. I got over it. It was fine. That's going to be hard. And I think that's where the backfire comes. That's when it's really, really going to blow up in their face. Because I feel like maybe not tomorrow, but Tuesday. Or maybe maybe by the time this comes out on Tuesday. I record them a little early. So yeah, about maybe by the time this comes out on Tuesday, I'm going to say that he's going to be out. And he's going to be back to complete normal and they are going to be pissed because the last thing they want the last thing that they could possibly handle is Trump coming out going hey you know I defeated Hillary I defeated Russia the Russia hoax I defeated impeachment in Ukraine I've defeated coronavirus and now next is Joe Biden they're not going to be able to stand that they are going to absolutely come unglued because there's not a, a real way to push back because their big thing was like, you know, of course, is like, oh, well, now he'll do the mask mandates. Now he really knows. Oh, he's going to lock the country down again. Oh, he's going to do this. He's going to do that. And absolutely none of that is going to be true because he went, he took the uh, experimental treatment and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to get over this thing and I got to get back to work and I can't work. If I'm, you know, locked upstairs of the White House, just convalescing, which, you know, is very odd. It's like, oh, the, you know, saw this video today. Well, they wanted me to do that. Well, of course they did. Many of them belong to uh, what everyone lovingly re refers to as the deep state. So, of course, they wanted you to be locked away. The last thing they want is, is you out winning because uh, Joe Biden can't. That's the uh, biggest issue. He just can't. Uh, he just doesn't have it. Absolutely doesn't have it. And I wonder, I wonder, going back to my original point about the uh, election of 1876 that turned into the Compromise of 1877, because in that time period, inauguration was in March, not January. 
So the election was still at the same time, but they didn't have the inauguration. The term was not over till March. So we have changed that a lot. We've expedited it, if you will, uh, for whatever uh, purpose. And so it became the Compromise of 1877 to allow uh, Hayes to then become president. But basically, he was, uh, in a lot of ways, president in name only. Because, I mean, he had already already compromised the way any leverage he would have had. So, you know, it didn't really turn out well for him. But it is very strange. I feel like by using somebody like Joe Biden, who they know people look to him as a moderate, which he's absolutely not anymore. He's not anything anymore. I mean, let's just be be honest about it. Um, he hasn't had original thoughts most of his life. He's been a one a person who's been plagued with plagiarism, and and he always takes credit for everything that everybody else does. So you use someone like that, who people see as a moderate, and you set the cities on fire, and you protest and riot, and blame it all on Trump and people you know, want to turn to somebody, they're like, well, Joe's been around forever and for better or worse, he's never really done anything, but he's never really not, you know, he's always been around. He's never really caused a whole bunch of anything. He's just vanilla milk toast Joe. And, uh, you know, maybe a lot of people will sign on. And the real hope is not to win. I don't believe that's the plan. I don't think anybody, any serious person would think that they would look at these two candidates and say, yeah, Joe Biden can win. No, it's just, that's not the plan. The plan is to cause as much havoc to get it as close as possible so they can possibly pull off an 1877 compromise and say, listen, we want to pack the court. You're going to pack the court or we're going to keep burning the cities down. We want to add a bunch of senators because we want power. And if you don't give it to us, we're going to keep burning cities down. Now, do I think they're playing with the wrong candidate? Yes, I do. I honestly do. I think that if this were a W presidency coming up, if this was like an 04 type of thing, although it couldn't happen in 04, too much was going on in 04. You couldn't have pulled this off. You couldn't have, um, but somebody like that, who is more of a an establishment, more of the kind of result of the deep state kind of uh, idea, the kind of uh, Washington, D.C. fraternity type, uh, you might have been able to pull this off. I think they're barking up the wrong tree. I honestly do, because I, I don't, there's no way in hell that Trump will entertain any of these ideas. He's just not. And what comes next, especially, and this is the part they're not thinking about whatsoever, because most of the time, let's be honest, on the left, they don't. That's the whole problem. That's the whole problem with leftism and progressivism and socialism and all the ism-isms is the fact that they're always today's solutions with horrible tomorrow consequences that are never even considered. Never considered. So the problem is when you... Think about it, because the whole premise is Donald Trump's going to win the Electoral College vote. And you want to start making 
you know, secession uh, threats and there's going to be rioting and they're already planning this. This is already in the works. Uh, they've already said it out loud. They've already wrote it down in their playbook that these BLM protests and Antifa riots and all that are just the dry runs. They're getting their plans together because when it really hits is November 3rd. And this is out there. You can find it. Uh, and I will, um, on Thursdays, I will make sure I um, credit the uh, sources for this. I will definitely make sure to do that. But yeah, it's already out there. They've already written it down to get people into the streets and keep things, you know, occupy shit. And that's literally the term they use, occupy shit and burn shit and make demands. And the problem is they're going to be dealing with a president in his second term who does not have to worry about another election. And that is very important because one of the biggest reasons I don't think that the Insurrection Act has been in, used, number one, uh, I believe Trump has really turned out to be a very, a very good constitutionalist when it comes to governing, which I think surprised a whole hell of a lot of people. And a whole lot of people that I respect and, and listen to and follow and stuff and read, uh, it really shocked them. They really didn't think that uh, Trump would be a constitutionalist in any way, shape, or form. But he has been, and he's been picking some decent, I mean, at least the uh, second uh, the second and third of the three Supreme Court justices. Uh, the first we're not so sure about. But hey, the last two here seem, and and. That's another one. Coney Barrett. Coney Barrett uh, is going to be great. I think she really is. She's an originalist, and that's what you need. I mean, that's what they're supposed to do. They're not They're not a super legislative branch, no matter how much the uh, left and the Democrats want them to be. But I, I think the biggest reason is he does follow the Constitution as best he can. And number two, he realizes it's an election year. And you don't want that look. You do not want that look. Because he knows as soon as he does it, they're going to scream that he's Hitler, that he's Mussolini, that he's whatever the crazy crap that comes out of their mouth. And it drives most people like myself insane because all these people they talk about all the time are all lefties. Or, in the case of Obama, opining from the DNC about Bull Connor and and all this, uh, and uh, George Wallace. I mean, these are all prominent Democrats, and he's a Democrat standing there at the DNC talking about how terrible Trump is because he's like all these Democrats. It's like, no, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? You're talking about the people from your party that you signed up for. Although Obama is a completely different uh, disaster that uh, uh, should have never been. That's yeah, just the way it is. And of course, by me saying that makes me a racist, bigot, asshole, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm not afraid by any stretch of the imagination. People can call me what they want. Um, my biggest thing my entire life has been I can look myself in the mirror and I know me. So just calling me names is not, I mean, not going to bother me. It's whatever. Debate you any time about it, but does not scare me. Unfortunately, it scares way too many people and they run and hide and won't speak what's on their mind. But yeah, that's uh, amazing. So I think the part they're not considering is the fact that once this election's over, you know, and of course they want to drag it on, and that's what they're talking about. Drag it on. Oh, all the, uh, the mail-in ballots have to come in, and, and once they get counted, we'll figure this out, and it might be a month before we know who's president. 
That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the 1877 Compromise. They already have a playbook. They already have a playbook. They've already done it before. Most people either have never known or didn't know, or never taught what happened. And when I it, it crossed my mind the other day, I heard someone talking about it. I'm like, wait a second. I do remember something about this. So I go and start saying, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. But, you know, like I say, when they go to the rioting and looting and burning and all that, uh, there are a lot of people that are upset on the right with Trump because they wanted him to send in the National Guard and send in troops and put all this down. And he hasn't. And there can be an argument on both sides. I'm not going to say there's not. There is an argument on both sides of this of this thing. You know, there's a lot of people that are more on the libertarian side that say, you know, no, you know, federal government has to stay out. It's only a local matter. The local police and local authorities have to do it. You know, the federal government doesn't have any jurisdiction. And that is a true argument. There's an argument to be made. And there's other people that say, listen, those people's civil rights are being violated. And if the local don't do it, then the federal have to step in. There's an argument to be made there. So I don't really want to take sides in that debate because that one's a hard one for me. I fall more to the libertarian side, but I get really angry when I see assholes running through the street throwing Molotov cocktails. That one's a hard one for me. That's one that I, that I struggle with. But I don't think that Trump's going to have a struggle with it on November 3rd and November 4th and the 5th when these people really get ramped up because that is their D-Day. Make no mistake. It is out there. It is in the ethos. It's already been put on paper and on social, on Twitter and Facebook and all these places. And of course, they're not getting pulled down because, of course, these people are in on it. They really are. And a lot of people can't figure out why. And at first, I was really puzzled why these people have bought into this insane ideology. But you see, their biggest worry is not about ideology. Their biggest worry is about their protections that they're afraid of losing. I mean, they've had a pretty comfy setup for quite a long time. As long as they would tow the Democratic line, they've been rewarded. I mean, it's really scary when you get into a lot of these digital platforms whether it be Twitter or Facebook or even streaming services, the amount of prominent Democrat members. And when I say prominent Democrat members, I'm talking about people that were higher ups in either the Hillary campaign or when she worked in the State Department or the Obama administration are now on the boards and on in prominent positions in all these media formats. And. Of course, they're pushing their ideology. Do they truly believe in these ideologies? Some of it, yeah, because once you read stuff like critical race theory and and some of this stuff, you realize that, like I've said many times, it's it's just white supremacy written in a, a roundabout way. So it's basically like taking bigotry and saying, hey, how can we write it down and make it sound like we're helpful? And that's basically what they've done. They're like, you know, hey, you don't really want to work that hard and you don't really want to have to have responsibility. You don't really want to have to do all this, do you? Okay, well, then we're just going to say you don't want to and that's because of something somebody else did and that you can't do it because white people. Cool, 
cool. And all it is is absolute and total bigotry. I mean, uh, and that's why you got people like Richard Spencer, who uh, is on the Biden train. Of course he is. He's always been on the left. I mean, who thought he was on the right? Oh, that was right. He came out and thought he could fuck up Trump by uh, saying he supported Donald Trump. Uh, he's an idiot. Because, um, of course, he's on the left. That's where the KKK and white supremacists have always been. Uh, they've always been on the left. So, yeah, it is very, very interesting. And, yeah, like I said, these plans are out there. And it is so closely mimics the election of 1876, the compromise of 1877. A lot of people say, well, what are they compromising? There isn't this or there isn't that. There's a lot of things they want. I mean, look at what coronavirus did. You know, they came in with a stimulus plan that had every crazy leftist dream attached to it. What did it have to do with coronavirus? Nothing. These people believe that they can create utopia through legislation and through a singular governmental power. A totalitarian utopia. It's preached as a religion in many centers of higher learning. And people buy it. And so once they buy it, they see it as almost a religious exercise. Approach it with like a religious fervor that somehow they are virtuous and they are better and they know better how to run the world. And there's so many, there's so many reasons for this. You know, a lot of people will wonder, well, why in the world would all these people, after seeing and knowing history, especially professors who know should know uh, the historic uh, events better as good as anyone i mean these people study for years to become professors right uh why would they embrace these failed and crazy ideologies and a lot of it has to do with power and a lot of it has to do with jealousy and it is a human emotion it is a human condition and what's different about america is one of the reasons we love america is the fact that anyone can be anything and that is the gift and wonder of capitalism and you take people like that that have studied and now they're professors and they're all of high esteem and everything else. And they may look around and say, hey, I make 120 grand a year. But there's this guy that didn't even finish high school who owns a chain of plumbing businesses. And he makes 500K a year. Well, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not true meritocracy. That's not right at all. We've got to redo this system. I should be the one on top. He can't be the one on top. I need to be the one on top. You feed into these ideologies and you can and you can see where people start to turn. And so they start to preach that capitalism is bad. And then to break capitalism, then you have to attach things to it. Because in America, it's harder. You go around the world, it's easier. Because things have been corrupt and so screwed up for years, it's easier to get people on board. In America, it isn't. It isn't because... Let's face it, even the bottom of the totem pole here, I shouldn't use the word totem pole, I'm sure it's racist, but the bottom of the ladder here is still better off than most of the world in a lot of places. And even though there are free societies, whether it be in Europe or around the world, none of them do it the way we do. There's always a glass ceiling. In America, we've done a lot to make sure there is no glass ceiling. Anyone can be anything. You can find a way to be successful. The internet brought this even more to fruition. 
because you had people that said, hey, why don't I think of this cool idea? Let's make Uber. You know, let's, you know, there's many people that are entrepreneurs that go on and, you know, have online stores or sell through Amazon or eBay and all these things that have created a lot of people that may not be, um, you know, have their doctorates or, or studied for years to do this or that, that are very, very successful and anyone can do it. And that is the beauty of America. But there are a lot of people who hate it and find it unfair. And although it may not be equity, we all have an equal chance. Equity has always bothered me because there is no way to have equity. And I've said it many times. I'll keep saying it until it finally gets through to everybody. There is no way to have equity without hurting people. You just can't. But there is another reason that these ideas become so popular, especially in younger demographics. Because say you take a ranking system from one to whatever. Well, someone comes along and says, well, that's really not fair. We shouldn't rank people from one to 50. You know, that's, that's bad to the lower end it makes them feel bad it hurts their feelings so we just need to take it away well the only people that really get hurt are the people at the top right because the people in the middle they don't really like it because they're in the middle and the people at the bottom they really don't like it because they're at the bottom so the only people that really get hurt are the people at the top of the chain and the only way to keep that balance is for people at the top of the chain to either inspire or explain why you should keep the system. That is most of what capitalism is, is to realize that hurting the top eventually hurts the bottom. It's a hard argument to make. And essentially that is the argument that socialists and leftists and everything else have been fighting for a long time. It says, well, it's just not fair. It's not fair that there's people that are so much more wealthy than everybody else. But unfortunately, without allowing for the entrepreneurial spirit, well, there wouldn't be American exceptionalism. And people don't even understand what that means. And it's pretty easy. You think about all the major inventions and just taking the last hundred years. And you see where most of them come from. And they come from here. They come from America. I'm not saying that all do all the time. That's not true. But a great deal of them, and many that have changed the way the world works, they've all come from here. And the reason they come from here is because we encourage the entrepreneurial spirit. That's why our health care is second to none around the world. Why? Because there's an incentive There's always the incentive to build and grow and be new. Because if you can come up with that new special thing, you know you're going to be successful and wealthy. Unlike if you create the new greatest thing in China, then the government just shows up and takes it from you. And if you have anything to say about it, you go to a concentration camp where they kill you. You'll notice a slight difference. You'll slow it. I know it's just a, I know it's, I know it's a very nuanced difference between America and China. I know, I know it's very hard to tell the difference between rewarding or killing. 
someone for coming up with something. I know it's hard to distinguish really a fine line. Yeah. It's very strange. Um, but it's easy a lot of times to get people to say, well, yeah, I don't like that guy. I don't think they should have all that. No, they shouldn't be able to keep all that, but you have to put it all in perspective. I mean, I personally hate Jeff Bezos's uh, politics. I don't always agree with, uh, you know, a lot of things he does. But what I don't disagree with is the fact that he has created something that is huge and has changed all of our lives. And it employs millions of people. Therefore, he is one of the biggest capitalists that there is and the biggest representative for why it works. There are millions of people that are employed and have jobs and also have created their own businesses through his business. And so, therefore, that shows the system. Now, many people stand at the, you know, a thousand foot away and go, well, no, he's just a billionaire. He's evil. Well, he may have terrible politics, but at the end of the day, he built something that nobody thought of. And he built something that now helps others build their thing that no one thought of. And on top of that, he employs millions of people. So you start taking away those guys and suddenly you do irreparable harm to everyone. And then those things don't get invented anymore. And no one thinks of the newest, latest and greatest. And you don't have things like smartphones and you don't have, uh, tablets and you don't have all the new and wonderful things we all love and we're always waiting for that next new cool thing well there's one way to get it and that is through capitalism because that's the incentive that makes it happen so it's easy to get a lot of people on board but it's really hard to make that argument and unfortunately people that are on the right whether it be libertarian or Republican or wherever you fall in that spectrum of on the conservative side and, and liking capitalism. That is the argument we're really bad at making. We need to make it. We need to make it. We need to make it more often. Because once people understand it, they, they don't really have a problem. Once you understand that, hey, you too could come up with these great, wonderful new ideas and find a way to become a billionaire. But if you take all of it away, there's no way that's ever happening. That gets them because that is the American. A lot of ways there is an American dream. And it still lives. We just got to keep nurturing it and keep fighting for it. That is always the hard part to keep fighting for it. Because you get tired. I get tired. I start looking at all this stuff. And you look at crazy stuff like the plans to basically try to recreate the 1877 compromise going on now. Just to try to get socialist and and, and insane policies through. And, and, it's, and to basically hold the country hostage. Uh, it's disturbing. And it's very tiring. And then, you know, you see the reaction of all these people like when they announced that. A Trump tested positive Corona and it makes you really tired. Like, man, you know, and I, I feel bad for him all the time. I can't imagine. 
uh, being attacked daily for everything you do. So <laughs> I won't, I'll try not to be uh, too uh, bummed out just by being exhausted with it all. But it is, uh, it is an interesting and insane time. And I think we should all do more of these kind of things and document what's going on because I feel like this is a time that uh, will be looked upon for decades and decades and really as a huge point in history, more than likely a turning point. Uh, and I hope it's a turning point towards a renewance of American exceptionalism and American pride, patriotism, and to really start to learn our true history, our true events, our true heroes, and stop the insanity of the insane left because it is really gone off the rails, uh, very similar to um, the 1860s and 70s. So hopefully, hopefully somehow we can <laughs> we can stop it before it gets any further. That is for sure. Uh, take a minute here to talk about uh, the podcast. Yes, more and more people are listening, which is great. Uh, I have to remind everybody: uh, let your friends know. I, I, you know, the more, the merrier, the the better, the better we all will be if we can all be more enlightened um, and learn things that you just don't hear every day, which is great. I think it's great. I find uh, I find it very interesting because now I'm learning more and more myself because I'm digging into things and then I can relay them to you and we'll both know. Um, but anyway, yes, we are everywhere that there are podcasts. I'm pretty sure if there's not one, send me a message on Facebook and or email and let me know because I will make sure it gets there. The rating and reviewing the rating matters. The reviewing doesn't. You can say whatever you want. Uh someone's got me in a room they won't feed me till i do it it doesn't matter the five stars are the big part that helps it go up the charts more people see it more people listen and we can do more things maybe start doing some independent investigations who knows that would be great i would really enjoy that um but anyway yes we have the patreon i can't forget that um the three tiers uh get early access to episodes you get a uh a bonus episode on one of the tiers and then the top I believe you get to the ask me anything that will be answered in the special episode so there is all that and the biggest thing is just let everybody know not just about the podcast but it's especially important to get anybody you think would like uh, that you can think of to get out and vote soon we only have about 30 days left maybe less by the time this comes out maybe 29 uh to the most important election I can think of since probably 1861. That's a long damn time ago. Uh, but yes, keep keep listening. I'm glad to see more and more people. It's very encouraging. It makes me feel like I'm doing something right. Um, and I keep turning away on this even when I have to work in the middle of the night and uh, get up at midnight to go to work or whatever. Um, still find time to get this done and, and research. So it's always... Always a labor of love for sure. But anyway, until Thursday, which I'll be back. Remember, it's no agenda, just America. America.